But I want to ask you, would you make a confession with me this morning? Can we just begin with it? Would you just say this with me? Thank you, Lord, for your word. I receive my Bible as God speaking to me. Therefore, I hear from God when I study my Bible. I understand his word by the Holy Ghost who lives inside me. Today, as I hear the word, my faith will be energized. I confess because I hear it and I'll do it. My life won't stay the same. So I thank you, Lord, for your life-changing, ever-living, miracle-working word. And I make this confession in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. The word of God changes everything. It starts by changing you. And then as you flow with it, it changes everything. I want to read out of Psalms chapter 8. And uh, I have a particular place I want to go this morning. Just pray with me that God will help me get there. Psalms chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. And I think they'll put it up on the board for you. But uh, I'm reading from the New King James. He says, the, the writer says, O Lord, our Lord. Now it says two lords. Isn't that something? Why do you start with two lords? You know, it's two different words there in the Hebrew that's used. The first is, is Yahweh. Is Jehovah. Jehovah. Oh, Jehovah, creator of everything. God of the universe. God of everything that you can see, that is, see. That. Oh, Lord. Our Lord. The next is the word is Adon, which we get, Adonai, which we get from Master, Savior. Oh, our, 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 you know, my goodness, just uh, our Father. Um, oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants. That's children, right? That's little children. You have ordained strength. You've established power because, 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 at this, because of your enemies. Isn't that amazing? Now, I can't tell you why. I don't know why God didn't just say, you know, I'll just take care of all my enemies myself. But no, he didn't. He didn't. Who's, who, 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 is, who is he going to use against the enemies? Notice this. He says, you've ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. How's he do that? Using the mouths, using the mouths of, of babes and and uh, infants, his children, in other words. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have you, you ordained, you, 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 you've established them, you've made them, you've shaped them. What is man? What is man? You know, see, the, the psalmist is just, you know, he's contemplating here by the Holy Spirit. He's thinking of the greatness of God, the mighty, oh God, our Lord, oh Lord, our Lord. You're amazing, God. There's nothing like you. Then I look at, what is man? What is man that you're mindful of him, that he's on your mind? And the son of men, son of man, it's like our, our offspring. And the son of men, that you visit him, that you visit him. I personally believe, it's just a reference here, 
to a prophetic reference into the coming of the Lord. What is man? And, our, and, our, and the children of men. Why would you visit him? Why would you send the Christ this celebration we have of Christmas? Why would you, why would you even bother to send him? Why would you visit men? Why would you do that, Lord? It says, for you have made him, you've made man, a little lower than the angels. So a lot of, we could have a whole teaching on that, and you've crowned him with glory and honor. The work is an Elohim there, a little lower than the angels, Elohim, which is, 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 is lower than the one true God. The, the, and, and in the beginning, uh, in the creation of man, uh, man was made mortal. Angels are immortal. He was made mortal. Uh, one day we will be, we will have, we'll transfer from mortality to immortality. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And you've crowned him with glory and honor. And you have made him to have dominion. Somebody say dominion. dominion. Over the works of your hands and you put all things under his feet. Wow. What a statement for the psalmist. Now in Hebrews second chapter, there's a little bit of clarification that goes on there. Because this has to do over a long spread of, of time, and you have, to, you have to take the context of the word. Not, this is not really my message, but just, just so that you'll get it in Hebrews 2, uh, Hebrews 2, verse 7 through 11, if you go there and you want to study that out. But we see this last verse clarified where it says, where, where it says, you made him to have dominion, you know. But then it says, looking at man in Hebrews chapter 2, it says, so you, if you look at man or you look at mankind, we don't see all things yet under his feet. Right? You remember reading that? We don't see, but, but what do we see? Then he gives us the answer, but what do we see? But we see Jesus. But we see Jesus, praise the Lord. We see Jesus. And everything has been put under his feet and we having been put in Christ, praise the Lord, then we come into his power and his dominion, praise the Lord, and his authority to live a life as a new creature in Christ. Can I have an amen? amen. Praise the Lord. But anyway, that's just the beginning. I, I, days ago, uh, I was just trying to meditate, think about this morning, Connect to the feeling of the Lord and the thoughts of, of the Lord, asking him what we, the sheep, you know, what he wanted to steer us to in thinking today. Of course, uh, you know, it's Christmas season, so Christmas season seems to involve everything. It just affects, you know, for the Christian in, in particular. And in my meditation, I was just asking the Lord, I, I want to know your perspective about, about Christmas. Because how many of you know that God's perspective of things and our perspective is sometimes very different? We see things different than, the, than God does. He sees it in greater, much greater depth than we do. It doesn't mean that we can't see parts and partial of the way think God thinks, but amen. And um, we, we tend to break things down into little events. Christmas. We, we break it down into little segments of time, you know, minutes, hours, months, weeks, etc. But, but God seems to think in a different perspective. He thinks in, in terms of eternity. Things are, things are strung together. You know, we're thinking about 
what we're going to do when we leave here, the event, we're going to go to lunch. You know, that God's, that's just part of the ongoing string of, of all of the things that are happening. God thinks in long term. In other words, with God, whatever happens today is not just about today. It's, it's intrinsically connected to tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day because it's all working together to fulfill his plan and his purposes that he already knew from the beginning of time. He knows the end from where? From the beginning. Okay, so he thinks, he thinks differently. So I was just asking, Lord, I want your perspective of this Christmas. Uh, I love Christmas time, but... And just for a, a, a little a glimpse, I feel like I had a, I feel like I had a, a picture uh, of, of the, his perspective more of Christmas than, than mine about the Lord coming to, to earth. It's not just about, you know, we can pull all the little events, the manger, the wise men, the shepherds, the, you know, trip from Bethlehem, uh, from Galilee to Bethlehem, from Nazareth. Uh, all of this, we can pull all of those, those things kind of together and we crescendo as we do. We celebrate the Advent, building it up to the big moment, you know, the event. And then we, in our exuberance, try to, we try to balance out the birth of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and all the presents under the tree and the meal that's going, you know, we, we balance it out. And I'm not trying to change your, your uh, traditions of Christmas here. But I had asked the Lord to help me see your perspective of Christmas and of this that we're experiencing now. And uh, in hopes that we, could, we can add went into it. Anyway, and this is what I saw. This is what I saw. It may not mean that much to you, but I, I think it will. This is, this is what I saw. That I, I saw Christmas, I saw the words Christmas and beyond. Christmas and beyond. That's God's, God's thinking is eternity. God's thinking is not just one thing, but it's connected to everything else. Everything makes the whole picture. Am I making any sense to you at all? I, I, hope, I, hope, I hope I am. And I saw, I saw three, three things, at least three things, there may be a million, but this is all that the Lord knew my brain could handle. So he, he, he showed me th three things. And first of all, he showed me that how, how this Christmas building up to this is an absolute demonstration of divine love. It's a demonstration. It's a divine demonstration of how much God loves his, created, his creation. How much God loves man. That's what it's all about. I mean, this whole thing is about love. Christmas is about love. What else would motivate God? We read about him in Psalms chapter 8. What else would motivate this God to be mindful of man, to think about man and the son of man, that he would visit man? What else? There's nothing else. And the, the love, and this love, this is what makes it so hard. This love is indescribable. We think we, you know, we understand it. We love our, I love Monica, da-da-da-da-da, so much. You know, it's hard to describe that. But the love of God, can you describe the love of God who would love someone like you and me? Who We didn't even, we, we had no thought, no desire for him, no, no reason to return love. But it's indescribable. And this is what... 
to me, I don't think I'll ever forget this as long as, you know, if I live to be 120 years old at Christmas time. It's an absolute demonstration of the love of God for you. You can never go around and truthfully, if you get a revelation of this, you can't go around, uh, nobody loves me, nobody likes me, you know, I'm just, you know, all, you know I'm just, uh, I'm a worm. <laughs> little thing we used to say when I was a t- I was a kid, I'm just going to the garden and eat worms. I don't know why we said that. I have no idea where that came from. But, you know, hey, I grew up in Alabama, so listen, you know. You can't, the, the unimaginable, inexplainable love that God would have. You know what that it proves? God loves you as much as he loves God the Son. He does, amen. No. Yes, he does. Can, can you believe it, Bob? As messed up as we have been, he loves us. A demonstration of the love of God. The second thing, the second thing that I just feel like the Lord has shown me was was the link that God would go to to reestablish a relationship with his creation. How far would God go? The links he would go to to reestablish, to, to reconnect man to himself by removing the one thing that disconnected man in the beginning. And that was sin. There was only one way to remove that. There was only one. How far would God go? There wasn't 15 plans. There wasn't 32 plans. There wasn't a plan B in case A didn't work. There was only one. Jesus had to come in a body that could die. If he came as an immortal, he he couldn't be a sacrifice. He had to come for the strict purpose of dying to pay for your sins. The determination, the, the, the resolve that God would have in order to reestablish a relationship that, you know. And the third thing, and that's where I really want to park is, is on this, is how far would God go and the determination of the Lord to restore men to who and to what he created him from the beginning to be. Hallelujah. And I think that's probably where we we lose it the most right there, right there. An exhibition of God's love, uh, a love that's acted out based on a determination to reestablish a connection, a relationship. And you all know what that is. If you've received Christ as your savior, you know, it's, it's different. I mean, you know, when God reconnects you and your spirit man is born again, there's something, there's something that, that happens, you change. And I have a better amen than that. That reconnection. I mean, that's a real thing. But then this this third thing, to restore people to who and to what he created them to be, to be in the the beginning. Amen. And as I said, uh, that it so affected me, I don't think I'll ever, ever forget it. So love, say it with me, love, relationship, and identity. Love, relationship, and identity. If you're taking notes, write those down. Love, relationship, and identity. This is what Christmas is. This is the message. Love, relationship, and identity. Now, we, we can kind of 
get a grab of this, of the love. I mean, we don't understand it fully. I mean, I've been a Christian for many, many years, you know, four decades, but I, I don't fully understand that love, but I accept it and I believe it and I trust in it. You know, I can kind of, I've got a grasp of a little bit of that. In relationship, I've got somewhat of a relationship, uh, of an understanding of relationship because having received Christ as Savior, then, you know, I'm, I'm growing. I'm growing every day. We grow in relationship. We're working on that. Every time you pray, you know, you're working on relationship. You read your Bible, you're working on relationship. When you hear, uh, you know, your, your fellowship with the Lord, uh, you're working on relationship and who he is to you. He's your, your, your Lord, your Savior, your friend, your healer, your provider. He's, he's everything to you, Lord. He, he leads you. He, he's the one that, you know, he gives you direction for life. Is that right? That's all relationship. Amen. But this third thing is where I think that we miss so much, and that's, the determination of the Lord to help us to come to back to the place to where we understand who we are and what we are in Christ, praise the Lord, and his determination to reestablish you as he created you in the beginning. Amen. Amen. Because, we, you know, fallen man is way, is way, way, way far from the way God created us. Are you here? Uh, we're, we're, we're nowhere. A fallen natural man is way far. I'll show you. When you begin to read scriptures like in Genesis, the first chapter, where the, the, the Lord said, in the beginning there, and he looked at, you know, the Godhead, it says, let us make man and let's make him in our image and in our likeness. There, he created us to, to be like Act like, look like. I don't know the fullness of that. I, I, I know he created him with mortality. There were some differences. We were not created as Jehovah God, the, the Lord God, but he created us in a God likeness. Amen. There ought to be a God likeness about our lives. Amen. Amen. Are you hearing all what does that mean? Does that mean that God is six foot one and weighs 180 pounds? And, no. No, there's a, there's a spiritual likeness that let us create him in our image and in our likeness and let's give him dominion. Yeah. All right there, that's where, that's where we mostly, we, we're, you know, you start talking about that and we get like a blind man running around in an in a unfamiliar place or a person wandering in a dark room. We start stumbling. Well, yes, praise the Lord, I read it. Genesis chapter 1, hallelujah, I'm created in God's likeness and I've been given dominion over the works of his hands and over all the living things. And we, you know, then our brain, our brain defaults. It defaults to back to the way we think and we were trained to think and, and our brain says, I have no earthly idea what that means. And don't look at me like that. I'm telling you the truth. Amen. Amen. I praise the Lord for it. Thank you, Jesus. What does that mean? Well, um, I'm working on that, Lord. I'll give you, I'll give you kind of explaining this here. If I were to ask any, any good Christian, good Christian, you know, tell me about yourself. Who are you? You know, what are, tell me about yourself. What do you do? And tell me, you know, 99% of the time and 99% of us, I'm not saying there's not an exception, I know you guys are super spiritual, but you know, 
There may be an exception, but most of the time we're going to think and we will respond like we've been programmed to respond. Well, well, my name is, you know, is uh, Monica Hale. My name is Albert. My name is Joe Smith. My name is, you know, whatever. Where I live in the woodlands. I, I live here. What do you do? What, what are you? What are you? What, I'm a plumber. I plumb. Yeah, I'm, I'm a carpenter. I, what do you do? I, I'm, a, I'm a baker. I bake. I, what do you, what, I preach. I'm a preacher. What are you? I'm a preacher. Well, you know, I'm a mother. I love on kids. I'm a housewife. I work like a dog, you know. No, no. <laughs> the point is, here's my point. Here's my point is, we answer and we think and we respond and we default to the natural. Yes. Stay with me. We default to the natural. Who are you? We default we default to the natural because that's where we live, that's where we think, that's where we, you know, we, we, we see ourselves, you know, that's what people expect us to say. I'm going to say that again. That's what people expect you to say. If you say anything else, they think you're a weirdo, you are really a fanatic, you know, if you start talking about, you know, we just default to that and that's... That's right, we live in a natural world, and I understand we respond to the natural, etc., etc. But here's the problem. The problem is that probably 99% of the time, we don't even consider who we really are in Christ. We don't even really consider what he created us to be and how he created us to live this life and how he created us to live a life of supernatural in a natural world. Amen. That's the problem. That's the problem. That's the problem. Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing that if when we're asked that question, well, who are you? Either sometimes it's your mind that asks you that. If you're trying to do something hard, you might say, well, who do you think you are? Sometimes the Holy Spirit will ask you that. Who are you? Don't look at me so funny. He does. He will, you know. Yeah, he'll tell you something. You know, well, who do you think, who you are you? Uh, you better know. Well, I'm Albert Hale. I live in the woodlands. I preach. Hey, that is not the response he wants to know. Amen. Hello? That's not, what he's, that's not what he's expecting to hear. You know? Sometimes circumstances... Circumstances. Do you realize, you say, well, this is kind of a stupid question to ask, you know. Well, who are, do you realize, I hope you get the depth of this. Do you realize life, realize life is asking you that question every moment of the day? Every situation you come up against, every circumstance you face, every difficulty that you run into, Every, every time you have to make a decision, do you realize life is asking that? Who are you? And the way you answer that question is going to determine the quality of life and the depth of the spiritual life that you're going to, you're going to experience. Oh yeah. It's asking you that all the time. Who are you? I'm, I'm, we, we default to the natural. Wouldn't it be amazing if when we're challenged with those kinds of thoughts, 
Whether it be the devil challenge you, people challenge you, your thoughts challenge you, the Holy Spirit challenge you. Wouldn't it be amazing if something inside of you just absolutely gloriously rose up and said, I am a new creation. I'm born of God. I have been empowered to live supernaturally in a natural world that's full of sin and all the other garbage in it. Wouldn't it be something if we just, that was inside there. I'm talking about identity and Christmas. So hard. It's a part of the whole string. It's your identity. Who are you? Who are you? I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ. And when we come to believe who we are in him more than we know who we are in the natural world, then we can begin. We can begin to experientially live out what God sent Jesus for what he paid for the blessings all of those promises the grace the mercy the joy are you getting this or not I hope you see it I hope you see it Jesus came to this earth to restore us on that night of nativity give us a new or to restore our identity I remember the testimony of Brother Kenneth Hagin. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. But for so many of us older people, uh, he's one of the ones who taught us the message of faith, how to live with faith. But he gave us, was giving his testimony, his long testimony about how he came to know the Lord and when he got healed, how he got healed. He uh, had an incurable blood disease. And uh, as a teenager, he was bedfast. Couldn't get out. Could, it was just a vegetable just laying in bed for months, 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 and months. And um, he, he got a revelation. He would, would read his grandma's Bible and he got a revelation. He got into Mark chapter 11, verse 22, 23, 24, 25. Have faith in God and the, and the power of faith and that whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe, you receive, and you'll have them, you know. And he got that, and, he, and the Lord healed him. He got up out of the bed, and, and uh, over a process of time, he began to get back. You know, he lives in a little country town, but he got to go back to, uh, to town and see some of his old friends and, you know, just talking, renewing, renewing relationship. And, and uh, he, he said uh, that they would be talking, and... And some of his old friends would be, start talking about the mischievous things they did. All the things they did, you know, back before. And do you remember when we did this? And, and Brother Hagin said his knack, he could, all, he could open any lock for whatever reason or however he knew how to open locks. And so they'd say, you, you remember when you opened old man so-and-so's storehouse and we went in there and we got all his stuff and we did all this stuff. And he'd, he'd look at him and he'd say, no, I don't remember that. I said, oh, sure, you, what? He said, he said, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. I don't remember that. That was somebody else. I said, sure, it was you. Don't you remember on such and such a date? Or we would go, we'd do that, and we did all this stuff. And he said, no, I don't, I don't remember that at all. I, I have no recollection of that. That, must, that was somebody else. He said, no, it wasn't somebody else. It was you. He said, no. He said, no. He said, I'm a new creature in Christ. I've been born again. He said, you know, I met Jesus. 
And I've just been changed. I'm a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. I am born again. I'm a new man. Hallelujah. I'm now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And he began to talk to him about it. He had caught a revelation of a new identity. A new identity. And he didn't respond. Wouldn't that be something if we could... Re we, we could... Oh, come on now. Somebody's got to understand what I'm saying. Wouldn't it be something if we responded that way? We would respond when we're challenged. Who are you? Are you the old man? Are you that old person? Are you that old guy who couldn't keep from lying? Or you couldn't keep from doing those things that, you know, those addictions and la, la, la. You know, hey. But we respond differently. We respond differently. Hallelujah. Yeah, and, and having been born again... Having been, become a new creation. Having received the power to witness that that we know of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Why should I ignore? Why should I ignore my real purpose, my real potential, my real identity? Because I just neglect to, to find out who God says I am. What God says I can do. And, and, and what God says I'm supposed to be. Why should I? Hallelujah. I'm no longer a mere man. I lost you on that, didn't I? I'm no longer just a plain old mere natural man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the more, here, the more that we agree with God about our identity in Christ, the more my actions are going to begin to reflect God's image, God's likeness, God's dominion, God's authority, God's purpose and power as he lives in me and as he works through me. But here's, here's the way we usually just think, well, you know, yes, I love the Lord. I got saved. I know his, his love is amazing. Relationship, yeah, I received him as my Savior. I'm, I'm now a child. I'm now a child. I don't feel much difference. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't. It's all about the same. I know I'm going to heaven. We get over to those scriptures about he created us in his likeness and in his image and created us with dominion and, and created us, praise the Lord, to go do the works of Jesus. How am I going to do the works of Jesus if all I do, if, I, is, is, if all I can do is identify with my flesh? How will I ever do the works of Jesus? I won't. Hello? Now then, and then, so that's to which I would have to respond, you know, you're just, you're still thinking of yourself in the flesh. You're still thinking of yourself in the natural. You're still thinking of yourself as a fallen person. You may be saved. You can live as a saved person. You can love God. You can be born again. But you can live in a natural world and in a, as a natural man. Did you know that? Amen. You can do that. You can do that. And so, secondly, what it would take is we have to get into his word and we have to get into his, into his presence because it's only in his word and in his presence can God help to change our view of ourselves to be what and to be who God says we were in the beginning. Hallelujah. <clears throat> There's another side of that, another message without without ruining ourselves with pride with pride with ego with fear with self-centeredness because those things if you build on those things it will ruin you and you 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 won't be amen so understanding our new identity in Christ 
That's what it is. It's a new identity in Christ. Somebody say, in Christ. It's a new identity in Christ, not in us, not in our own being. It's in him following his ways, following his leads, following his plans. Amen. Following his wisdom. Amen. That's what this new identity is about. Let me show you how, how it is. I'm, I'm finding an ending here. I'm circling right now the field. Okay, I'm circling. And I'll find, a, I'll find a landing spot here in just a few minutes. So hang with me. Hang with me. John chapter 15. Go there. And in verse 4. John 15. Jesus said it this way. Here it is. Here it is. This is this, how you come into this new identity. He said, abide in me. Abide in me. Abide. What does that mean? Come into me, remain in me, stay with me, do not depart from me, don't have one day in me and the next day in the world. Sunday's not a special spiritual day. Hello. No. How, uh, abide in me, come on, get inside me, remain there in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Just get the picture. The branch is coming up. You know, there it goes out of the vine. You disconnect it. What does it do? Dead. It's dead. It's dead. D-E-A-D, dead. Dead. And that's what we will live as dead men if we don't abide in him. Dead in the things of the spirit. Dead in the things of the supernatural. Dead in the things of seeing the fullness of the promises of God fulfilled in our lives. Here he says it. This is the way it works. Abide in me. I in you. And the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. Jesus, get in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. You, he who abides in me and I in him bears fruit. Much fruit. Much fruit. Bears much fruit. For without me you can do, you can do nothing. Acts 17 and verse 28 says, For in him, in him, we live and move and have our being. In him, we live. We live. What is, is that? That's, that's, uh, we, we have real life. There's strong, there's strength, there's energy, there's vitality. There's a blessing. It's worth living. You don't get up in the morning saying, oh my God, it's another day. No, in him. In him. Can you catch the vision of that? In him, we live. It's a blessed day. It's a blessed time. It's an expectation of good things that God's got for you today. Oh, but bad, bad things are happening. Oh, but there's an expectation that God's going to turn it around and change it. Glory to God. There's a, I have my, I live in him. In him I live and I, and I move. What does that mean? Just what it says, I, I go around, I walk, I do. I go and I do things that I need to do. I, I go places I need to. In him I live, I move, I, 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 I do whatever needs to be done and I have my being. Being, if you had your Bibles open, I'd ask you to write in their identity. In him you have who you are. Amen. Your identity. In him. In him. It's not about you and how talented you are and how great you are and how much you've grown and how God's... No. You have 
your identity, your being. You have your purpose for being. You have your purpose for living. Hallelujah. And when we, when we wake ourselves up and we learn who we've become in Christ, then we can move on to the next. What can we do in Christ and how can we live in Christ? Hallelujah. Put that other, that other slide that I have there. I, I want you to because because you are in Christ, because every one of us have received it, every one of these statements is true about you. And I'm going to read scriptures of some of them. If we just, we just start them out here and you just kind of follow, follow along with them. Be, because you're in Christ, every one of these statements are true about you. Number one, you're loved of God. You are loved of God. Honestly, over, over the years, I've, I've, I've had the times to pray with people and they're so insecure. They live in fear, worry, dread, what if, da-da-da-da-da. They, they're, they're um, oh, how's my word? They're always, everything is internal. Everything is turned to, to, toward them. How's it going to be? Me, 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 me. Me, me, me. And the root of it almost every single time has been they have no earthly idea how much God loves them. They don't know their love. So they have no confidence for life. They have no confidence, no security. If you don't know you're loved, if you think everybody hates you, you're insecure. Hello? You're very insecure. You're an insecure person. But when you learn, man, I'm loved at all times. You know, Sharon might got, get mad at me, but you know what? God loves me, and that's the only one that really matters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Monica's going to love me, I think, no matter what. Praise the Lord. She, she better. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm loved. But watch this. Watch this. John, 1 John 1, and actually the verse is 3. Not, uh, it's, I mean, it's verse 1, not, not verse 3. It, and it says this. See what love the Father has given you? That you should be called a children of God? The children of God? And so we are. Somebody say, so, so I, I am. am. I'm a child of God. Because why? He loves me so much. Hallelujah. I'm accepted. Ephesians 1 6 to the glory and to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. Do you know what that word accepted means there? The Greek word that means it means highly favored. I have been I've been I've been made acceptable as goofy as I am but God made me acceptable hallelujah and he made me highly favored and he honored me with blessings that's what they meant I've been accepted in the beloved hallelujah I'm a child of God John 1 and verse 12 yet to all who received him to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God I'm a friend of Jesus hallelujah this is who you are just because you, you know, you received the Lord. Yet to all who received him, praise the Lord. And uh, verse 14, John 15, 14, you are my friends. If you do whatever I command you. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 17, now you are, you, now if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. If need, uh, we share in his, in his sufferings. I'm united with God. I'm in one spirit with the Lord. He and, he and his spirit has come to live inside me. I'm the temple of God. Glory to God. Oh man, get that. 
That'll change the way you think, where you go, what you do, and what you say. Hallelujah. God lives inside me. Hallelujah. I'm the temple of the Most High God. His Spirit is inside me. Hallelujah. I'm a member of God's, of the Lord's body. I'm a member. There, you are a special, unique, gifted, called, anointed, peculiar, necessary part of the body of Christ. Well, I got no place in that church. Oh, come on, give me a break. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Just let the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'll move on. I see that didn't go over very well at all right there. <laughs> Can you believe this one? I'm a saint. Dwella, you're not the only one. Where's Dwella? There's Dwella, Saint Dwella. But Dwella, we're all saints. Praise be to God forevermore. Just some of us act more like a saint than others, right? There you go, girl. There you go, girl. Can you believe it? The Lord calls you that, a holy one. Holy one. Consecrated. I'm redeemed and forgiven. Redeemed. Full, full ransom's been paid for all my sins. And I'm forgiven. I have been pardoned. I don't care any guilt. I don't care any condemnation for my past. No, I don't remember doing that. That was another person because I'm a new creation in Christ. Hallelujah. I'm complete in Jesus Christ. I'm free from condemnation. I'm a new creation because I'm in Christ. I'm chosen of God, holy and dearly loved. I love this one. I'm established, anointed, and sealed by God. Established. I'm not goofy. I'm not a fruit, flake, or nut. I'm established. Come on now. I'm made sturdy. I'm made steady. I'm confirmed. I'm stabilized. I'm anointed. Man, the power of God put his power upon you. I'm stabilized and I'm sealed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't have a spirit of fear, but I have a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. I'm, a, I'm God's co-laborer, God's co-worker. Can you believe that? I'm seated with Christ, seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That's a picture of, of ruling and reigning. I have direct access to God. And that's something. You already have your admission. Your, your ticket's already punched. You can go to him anytime. In the name of Jesus. I'm chosen to bear fruit, according to John 15, 16. I'm one of God's living stones. I'm being built up in Christ as a spiritual house. And I have been given exceeding great impressive promises. I have always, I can always know the presence of God because he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. God works in me to help me do the things that he wants me to do. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. And I can ask God for wisdom and he'll give me what I need. James 1 and 5. And that's just a few of hundreds of the I am scriptures in the Bible. Hallelujah. Now, what you have to do, you have to begin to believe it. You got to believe it. You got to believe it. You got to accept You got to choose to believe it. You got to choose to believe who he says, who you says you are. Amen. You have to choose to believe and to accept your new identity in Jesus Christ. And, and when, you, when you choose to believe it, you know, and you begin to see and you begin to live life in this new identity and not just in your old self, then you can begin to experientially live out the things that he's promised you and the things that he said to you. Amen. 
I'm going to, I'm going to finish up with, with these scriptures. Go back to John 15. We stopped there in verse, what, 4 or 5. Let's pick up with 5. John 15, 5. Jesus said, this is the way it, this is the way it works. Hallelujah. Or you're finding it there. He not only came to save us, remember, he not only loves us, he not only came to save us and establish relationship, but he came to restore your identity, who you really are. Jesus said in verse 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Verse 7 and 8, if you abide in me, if you abide in me, if you do this, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. Hallelujah. Would you please, would you open up your heart and let that get inside you? Because I'm telling you, if you'll wrap that up in faith, if you'll wrap your faith around that and embrace that passage of Scripture, embrace that as the truth, I'm telling you, miracles can begin to happen in your life that you thought were, you began to think they're impossible because it's taken so long. I'm talking to somebody in particular right now. If you can embrace that, if these words, these words, if you abide in me, my words get inside you. You'll ask what you desire. It'll be done for you. And by this, my Father is glorified. You'll bear much fruit. So you'll be my disciples. Philippians 4 and verse 13. Paul told the church, he said, listen, I'm in jail. Da-da-da-da-da, all of the above. But don't you forget this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Don't feel sorry for me. Don't feel sorry for me. I can do. Christ is in me. I'm in him. And he strengthens me and I can do it. Paul told the church in Corinth. He told him, he says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God that not that we're competent of ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. Our competence is from God who has made us competent to minister, uh, to be ministers of a new covenant, not in a written code, but in the spirit. We're in God. His competent, we're competent through him. Our sufficiency, as King James says. Isaiah chapter 40. What a beautiful prophecy. But you better take it correctly. It says in verse 29, he gives power to the weak, to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fail. But those who wait on the Lord. Well, wait a minute. He's talking about to a special group of people. Amen. <laughs> Don't take it wrong. To those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary and they'll walk and they'll not faint. Our trouble, our trouble is, our trouble is that we, we've taken this promises to mean, you know, just because we came to know the Lord, just because we're, we're uh, saved, we're just because we're a child of God, or because God had pity on, him, pity on us and we're going to rise up and da, da da That is not what it said. It's not what it says. He's talking about an identity and a connection with Christ. Those that wait, those that wait, those that wait, those that serve, those that embrace the Lord. Those, those that are in New Testament, those that are in Christ, here's what's going to happen. They are going to have their strength renewed. Hallelujah. They're, they're going to rise up on wings like the eagle does above the storm. Glory to God. 
they'll run and not be weary and they'll walk and not faint. Praise the Lord. So we're, we're talking about Christmas and beyond. God's perspective. What is it about? Well, no, this is about an immeasurable love, an indescribable love. It's about a restoration of relationship. Thank God for it. But don't miss the last. It's about letting God restore you to who he created you to be. I dare say most of the body of Christ cannot see, does not see themselves in this life as living the way God created them to be and enjoying the things God created them and having the authority and walking in dominion as God created them to walk. It's sad, but it can change. It doesn't have to be you. You can be different. Can I have a better amen? Poke, poke your neighbor and say, you can be different. You can live in the supernatural. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'm going to close with this one passage of Scripture in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 11. It's just a beautiful passage that Paul, he wrote to the believers in, in uh, Colossae. And uh, he was just exhorting them. And maybe, may, may this just exhort you at this time. And he said this. He says, we're praying. We also pray. We pray. Uh, Lord, I just make this my prayer also. We also pray that you're going to be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you'll have all the endurance and the patience that you need. Be strengthened with his glorious power. Be strengthened with his glorious power. I say to you, Generations Church, people, congregation, be strengthened with his glorious, glorious power. You're going to have all the endurance, all the endurance, the perseverance, and all the patience that you need. May you be filled with joy. Joy. Always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Now, believe that. Believe that. That's who you are. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and who forgave us of all of our sins. Hallelujah. That's a good word from God today. Amen. And that is my message for you today. Hallelujah. Be blessed. Hallelujah.